From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of For What It's Worth. I'm Rabina Ahmed Hawk. I'm going to be here with you for the next hour. And we are really focusing this week on retail. We're going to be talking a lot about a number of different stores that are closing across the country, including the latest one that was announced, Nordstrom, the luxury retailer that came uh, to Canada a few years ago, is now closing its doors because of lack of sales and heading south again. So if you want to go to Nordstrom, you're going to have to go back to the U.S. uh, to get uh, get their merchandise. Uh, We'll talk to a retail expert about what's going on. What's the future of brick and mortar stores? Um, Is this the future that we are going to be living in where we no longer will have access to the actual store? We'll only be able to maybe shop online and maybe there'll be some some presence in major cities. So we'll talk to him about uh, what Nordstrom's uh, leaving Canada means. Foot Locker is another example. Bed Bath & Beyond is another example. And on top of that, just on the flip side of it, Zellers is making a comeback in the Bay. And I want to hear what he thinks about Zellers all of a sudden opening up these uh, small shops inside the Hudson Bay, if you think that's a good idea considering everything that's going on. But maybe a big Canadian brand that most of us recognize. I know if any of you grew up in the 70s or 80s or earlier, It's something that is kind of nostalgic, right? Zellers, you think about it, it's a store that mom and dad took us to when we were kids and did our shopping and we could afford a lot of things there because it was a discounted department store. Uh, Will that bring me back, a Gen Xer? Will it bring me back shopping uh, into stores again because it's just going to remind me of being a kid? So we'll be talking to our retail expert about that. We'll also be talking about loyalty programs and how there is now a push for customers to pay for loyalty. Canadian Tire is the latest one to join uh, this pay-to-be-loyal business model where, you know, companies have already been doing this. PC Insider is a good example where you pay a certain amount for a yearly membership and you're given access to different discounts and perks and early, uh, early sales notices that the regular guy doesn't get. But is this really the future of loyalty? I mean, when I think loyalty, I think, well, you got to bring me back because you're giving me something that no one else is. I don't want to pay to be loyal. That's sort of the opposite of what being loyal is, right? You're supposed to show me loyalty so that I keep coming back over and over again. And the reason I'm coming back is because you are uh, awarding me for shopping there, not the other way around. I'm not giving you money so that I can shop in your establishment. I call this a bit of the Costco effect. So since Costco came to Canada... It has been easier for retailers to actually sell loyalty. So once you buy a Costco membership, which is more than $100, um, I know that I'm a Costco member, full disclosure. I know that I feel incentivized to go there because I paid for the privilege of shopping in that store. So is this the same idea for loyalty? So once you pay for that loyalty and you get all those perks that nobody else has access to, will you be more likely to go to those stores because you're a member of them. We'll be talking to an expert about uh, sort of pay paid loyalty programs and if this is the future and if this is something that actually works. Loyalty programs were created to gather data on their customers so companies could better prepare what merchandise should be in the store, what ads they should be putting up. 
Is this the new generation of loyalty that we now have to pay in order to participate? Uh, before we get to those, there is a lot of news that happened this week that is really important to our pocketbook. Inflation data came out for Canada, and it does show that inflation in February fell to 5.2%. Now, that is a long way from where we were in the summer at more than 8%. And it's also lower than January when the number came in at 5.9%. So it does show that the interest rate hikes that the Bank of Canada brought in are working. We are spending less and saving more, and that is bringing uh, prices down. One of the main drivers has been gasoline. So we're paying less for gasoline, something that is a major cost in most Canadian families' lives, and that is bringing our overall bill down. But one thing that hasn't come down is grocery costs. They still remain persistently high, double digits, 10.6% up year over year from February 2022 to the same time this year. We're paying 10.6% for that same basket of groceries. I was at the grocery store this morning. I'll tell you, I did not buy any meat. I bought no dairy. I did buy cottage cheese. Sorry. Oh, I bought cottage cheese, so no, but no major dairy. So mostly a little bit of vegetables, coffee, and a couple of other little things, and our bill came to $46. So just popping in at the grocery store can cost you about 50 bucks. You know, just buying a couple of things, fruits and vegetables, pick up some cottage cheese that you need, and all of a sudden your bill is 50 bucks. So this is the sticker shock that we continue to get over and over at the grocery store. And the inflation numbers, as good as it is that they are coming down, they're not actually really helping us in a real way because groceries are something that we cannot avoid. Before I get to the commercial break, I wanted to let you know that the Federal Reserve has raised rates. That's the U.S. Federal Reserve has raised rates by 0.25%. And that may be an indication that the Bank of Canada may do the same. But economists are saying they're actually going to hold rates considering inflation being down, considering the fact that our economy is still doing okay and that we continue to add more and more jobs, the, we may be okay for the next interest rate hike or the interest rate announcement rather, and not see that interest rate hike. We're going to get to all of that and more coming up. We're going to be talking about Nordstrom and retail and the future of brick and mortar retail in this country. I'm Ruby Nomad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. Welcome back to the program. I'm Rabina Ahmed Hawk. This week we heard of another major U.S. retailer shuttering its doors and leaving Canada. Nordstrom announced that they are going to shut all their stores across Canada. They'll liquidate all of the merchandise that they have. And they are going to only be available to us in the United States, which is what we were used to for so long. They were only here for such a short amount of time. I'm getting kind of uh, remembering back to Target days where they were here for such a short amount of time. I feel like they never were here to begin with. But is this a sign of the times? Are we not shopping in brick and mortar stores anymore? I thought with the pandemic being over, we'd be back at the mall again. We'd be back shopping in person again. And this is just one example of many stores that are saying that they're either shutting 
part of their operation are shutting down altogether. Foot Locker, Bed Bath & Beyond, just another couple of examples of uh, retailers that are making big changes here in Canada because they simply uh, are not getting the business that they thought that they would get in those locations. Well, to talk about this and more in the future of brick and mortar stores in Canada, we're joined by Bruce Winder. He's a retail analyst and author. Bruce, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rabina. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. This is such an interesting story. I mean, off the top, I've just been reading this week about how many customers are really annoyed with the fact that Nordstrom calls it liquidation. I put that in quotes. And they lined up thinking, you know, they're going to get Jimmy Choo's on some sort of 70% discount <laughs> and found out that right. the discount was just a mere 5%. What's your reaction even exactly. just to that? The fact that they're starting so softly with their liquidation sales. Yeah, well, I did expect them to start a little soft. You know, I expected them to come out maybe with a, a range of, say, 10, 20, 30 percent. But I was quite surprised at the 5 percent off. That was pretty low. But that's what retailers do. They hire liquidation companies and these liquidation companies are paid to try to get the maximum value for that inventory, fixtures, carpets, et cetera. And they normally start high. And then as the time progresses, in this case, to the end of June, they start to slowly, gradually reduce the uh, or increase the discount. So you start to see, you know, 40, 50, and maybe at the end, 70, 80. But usually by the time you get to the end, uh, there's not much left. It's mostly the odds and sods that nobody wants. Yeah, the extra, extra large or the extra, extra small. That's what I exactly. find at the end. It's people who are just at the extremes um, are the ones that maybe can really benefit uh, from those uh, those end of uh, end of day sales. Uh, what's your reaction to Nordstrom leaving Canada? Just yet, yet another retailer, like I said, uh, that's shutting their doors here in our country. Yeah, it's definitely uh, not a good sign. I mean, I, I think that this is more of a Nordstrom item than it was a Canadian retail item. Having said that, you know, we're entering a recession probably. And this is the time when retailers who have a few sore spots end up having to reorganize or close stores. So it kind of gets rid of the weak in the industry. But Nordstrom was more about them, I think, overextending themselves in Canada, a little bit like Target, in that they overestimated the market size, in Nordstrom's case, the luxury market size. And, you know, they probably should have started just with one store. Maybe it didn't need to be as big as it was, you know, and, and sort of try it out and test and learn a little more. You know, over a couple of years, they launched quite a few of these monster stores and some of the markets they launched in, you know, there's not, there's not that big a luxury market in those markets. Yeah, I've been to the Nordstrom in Toronto, and the one thing I didn't like about it, it was there, it didn't feel like a separate mm -hmm. store. I don't know why they chose that location. And I actually ended up there by accident. I was just kind of walking. I'm like, oh, I'm in a totally different store. I don't know whether that was part of it, where people just didn't feel like it was special. I mean, it was just kind of part of the Eaton Center, part of the Bay. It wasn't something that really stuck out. Uh, what does this sort of tell you about brick and mortar shopping? I know you said that this is not necessarily a Canadian retail problem, but there are other examples of, of companies that are shutting down certain locations, you know, saying that people are just not coming back, the foot traffic's not coming right. back. What does this say about the next, you know, five to 10 years of, of, of retail sales in Canada, in, in person retail sales? Yeah, it's going to be turbulent. I mean, your point is well taken about, you know, how people aren't coming back. There's definite traffic patterns that have changed 
uh, pre and post the pandemic, you know, for, uh, people are working at home two or three days a week and not going to the office. That significantly changes where they shop and what they shop for. They don't need as many dress clothes. They're wearing more sweats and casual wear. Um, and overall, brick and mortar is sort of, you know, it's in need of a right sizing. Um, online sales doubled during the pandemic for a little while, but then they kind of settled back down to earth. And there's been a bit of a renaissance, you know, Q4 of 22 with brick and mortar. But there are a lot of retailers that have too many stores and the role of the stores change. It's less about traditional shopping and more about experiences, more about convenience, you know, a pickup spot for a return spot for online goods. So it's definitely one of those things that every now and then the industry sort of turns over and changes. There's always winners. There's always losers. And it's sort of the natural purging of the industry that we're going to go through. I don't know whether you agree with my opinion, but I feel like the future is going to be more pop-up shops where like you sort of described there, where we'll get the experience of in-person, but we'll, with the item we want to purchase will be, will be shipped to us. So, oh, you want this top? Okay, you want it in medium, you'll get it tomorrow and it will be shipped to you. And um, that is the experience I am getting in many uh, retail, uh, retail outlets that I go to where they just simply don't have the sizes, but they're willing, more than willing to ship it to me next day because uh, they don't want to lose me as a customer. I, what do you make of that, that, you know, in-person shopping may become something quaint, something our parents used to do and something we sort of do when we have some free time, go, you know, take a look at things in, in, and touch and feel them the way that the old people used to do it. Yeah, I think your point is well taken. Um, things are changing. Pop-up stores are getting more popular because there's less of a commitment for them a retailer and they're less expensive because you can only set up when you really need to. And if things don't work out, it's quite easy and, and quick and cheap to get out of there. And you're right. I think there's a bit of a, a changing of the guard here where, you know, all the sizes used to be kept at retail. Now, you know what? Uh, companies may keep all sizes in a central warehouse used for e-commerce and just use some of these pop-up just to kind of drive brand engagement and, uh, you know, connect with customers. So there's definitely a migration there um, to what you're talking about with, with the role of the pop-up growing. Now, I was talking a little bit about Target and Nordstrom kind of giving me deja vu of what happened with Target. Is there something that American retailers don't understand about the Canadian market uh, that they continue to make this mistake? Like you said, opening up too many stores across the country? Yeah, I think, and it's not just American uh, retailers, but I think I think there's a genuine genuine push from financial markets, whether it's Wall Street or what have you, to go big or go home. You know, that's sort of the the way that they want retailers to behave. You know, get in there and seize the market and drive as much sales and earnings and share appreciation as you can in the shortest period of time. And that's counter to really the logic that you have to go in small and test and learn. And I think some American retailers may make the mistake of assuming that Canada is very similar to the U.S. And we're quite different. I mean, we don't have as many people who are as well off in the U.S. Our population density isn't as great. We buy things differently. We have different shopping habits. And uh, obviously our geography is different too. So I think the biggest mistake that any retailer, especially American retailers can make is assume that, you know, Canada is sort of just another state or another city in the U.S. We're a very different country. 
Yeah. And I don't know whether we have the same brand recognition of Nordstrom, like we do, say, for example, Bloomingdale's or even Target. That was a, a brand that I really understood when it came to Canada. I knew what I was getting. And in fact, I was a bit disappointed because I wanted the, that American experience and I didn't feel like it really delivered on that. And I think a lot of customers felt the same. Maybe that was part of their demise. I mean, I would go there and their shelves would be empty and there would just be, it just wasn't the same experience that I was getting in the States. Among all of this chaos, Zeller's has relaunched in Hudson Bay stores. I wanted to get your reaction uh, of this move to bring back a traditional brick and mortar store, but inside what now I see as quite a luxury retailer? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think all of us are sort of thinking that way right now. And and um, there's, a, there's a lot going on here. It's a complicated situation. You know, uh, will the Zellers launch create some excitement in the news cycle? Absolutely. A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of Canadians are reminiscing about it. Will Zellers in the Bay make a lot of money for the Bay? I don't think it will. I think it'll be, it's a situation where they have a lot of extra space because not as many people shop at the Bay. I guess they claim to own the brand, although that's under dis in dispute because there's a Quebec company that claims to own the Zellers brand. Um, and, you know, I think they're trying to just say, we've got these assets kicking around. Let's try to utilize them and do something with it. Um, the pictures, I've seen some pictures of the new Zellers stores. They look cute. You know, I, I call it sort of a, a almost like a, a mix of Joe Fresh in Loblaw meets Ikea a little bit, okay. right? So it's, it's, it's kind of nice. But will it move the needle on sales? I don't think so. Because to your point, you know, the Bay customer is not really the Zellers customer. And the traditional Zellers customer certainly isn't the Bay customer. Yeah. And the only thing that I really uh, get nostalgic about when it comes to Zellers is their cafeteria, that counter, right? Just go and have like mm -hmm. chips and gravy Absolutely. or something. I, I really found this interesting, uh, Bruce, this whole conversation. And, you know, it, it's disappointing to hear that another retailer is, is shutting their doors. I know that means job losses mm -hmm. and that, that affects real people. It's right. not just, you know, I can't buy my fancy shoes anymore. Um, where where right. do you, I sort of asked this question to you earlier, but just to sort of round things off, where do you kind of see retailers like the Bay and like these other big department stores? Do you think that they're at risk now of having to, to scale down a bit because it, maybe this is a signal of what's to come? You know, if you look at who's buying a lot of the things these days, it's millennials and Gen Z, or at least the future, right? And they really don't know the Bay. They didn't probably grow up using the Bay. They don't have an affinity with the Bay as much, or any department store. So I think this is going to put pressure on uh, on the department store segment, and you'll probably see it sort of become a much more of a niche segment over the next little while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even myself, I just get frustrated if I have to go somewhere to pick something up. I just want it to arrive at my door. So I have, I have exactly. also bought into this, this, uh, this idea <laughs> that I don't need to leave my home anymore to do any of my shopping. Exactly. Bruce, thank you so much. This was a great conversation, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. That's Bruce Winder. He's a retail analyst and author talking about Nordstrom shutting their doors here in Canada um, because of the fact that people are just not shopping at those stores, uh, like Bruce said there, to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to stay on the retail trend. Canadian Tire has launched a new fee-based subscription program. Will you buy into it? Will you buy to be loyal to a company that I think we all are kind of loyal to already. We're going to break down why Canadian Tire is doing this and whether this is really going to help or hurt them going forward. I'm Rubina Ahmed-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. Baby, I don't need time.
You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. I used to be really against this idea of paying to shop. And this is why I resisted Costco for so many years. Because my thing was, why do I have to pay you for the privilege of going in your store and then spending more money? But eventually I gave in like the rest of the world. I have a family now. I see some of the benefits, the some of the cost savings. And so now I do pay to participate in the Costco membership. So this has also trickled down into loyalty programs. We saw it with PC Insider. Uh, this is the Loblaws uh, PC loyalty program that they have where they launched a program where you could pay into it. It still exists. And then it would give you VIP perks, as they say, and give you select sales that maybe those who aren't a member would, would have access to. And now another huge retailer has signed on to this idea of loyalty, having to pay for loyalty. The Canadian Tire Corporation, or Canadian Tire, as we would call it, has launched Triangle Select. It's a new annual fee-based subscription program that the company says will deliver a, quote, enhanced value proposition to customers. So what do you think? Do you think that it's okay for companies to now have a paid loyalty program? To talk about the Canadian Tire move to add this paid loyalty program and what the future of loyalty means when it comes to us as consumers, we're joined by Lisa, Lisa Hutchinson. She's manager at JC Williams Group and a retail strategist. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Lisa, why is Canadian Tire doing this? Uh, is All of a sudden, do we have an appetite to pay to be loyal to, I think, a brand that most Canadians are pretty loyal to already? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. They already have a loyalty program. They, you know, they have this triangle program that they have, and they already have their private credit card that they really know a lot about the customer already. So it is a bit of, it's intriguing as to why they would add this additional layer of loyalty uh, and, and a fee on top of that at this time, at this time of the economy and so on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea. And, you know, when we started to think about it, you know, I think, you, I think you mentioned right off the top in your example with Costco, um, you know, I think it's a matter of what's important to their customer and what are the benefits. And so I'm sure they've done some research to determine that they have customers that are looking for enhanced offerings um, to be able to initiate something like this. I bought into the PC Insider uh, when it was first launched. I was offered some sort of really discounted deal for the year. So I thought, okay, why not? And the one thing I noticed right away is that they just sent me more emails. <laughs> they all of a sudden, they, mm. you know, and they, they were discounted items, but it just felt a little bit overwhelming. I did get some sort of welcome package as well. So it's sort of this feel good loyalty program. Like we care about you. We're giving you all of this stuff, but this must have an impact. I mean, when I think of Canadian tire loyalty, I think of paper Canadian tire money and already <laughs> people are upset that they've gotten rid of that. Who do you think this is going to impact? Because when I think of the typical Canadian Tire shopper, I don't think of young people. I think of families and older Canadians, those who have been around Canadian Tire for a while. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that is, you know, who they're targeting with this. Um, I think they're really, when I think about it, and we did the math, you know, here in the office when, the, when they made the announcement, 
And, uh, and the, the customer is going to have to spend around $2,000 a year to really start to see the return on the investment of the membership. Um, you know, because they have to, you know, it's, it's all layered. In fact, they also have to be real advocates of the, of all their brands. So, you know, if it's just going in and buying just everything in the store, you're not going to get as many points. So it's really driving the customer to their private brands as well, which typically have more margin for them. So I think this is a way to, I mean, not a way, but it's really in our minds focused on the heavy users who already have a credit card, who are all use, already using one or more brands and just a way to entice them to always come to Canadian Tire first and foremost. And you use PC the PC Insider and that program, you know, comes to mind as well. And so what they learn from all the data that they get from the loyalty program is that ideally they're targeting you with curated content. It may feel a bit like you're being bombarded, but it, yeah, in PC within the app, because I'm a, a subscriber, not to the instant, the extra subscription, but just to their program. I get very targeted ads and it drives me to choose to go there because of their point system. And so, you know, I think that they will continue to learn more about their customers. But like I said, it seems that it's really targeted at those very heavy users. They're very like sort of their top tier clients, because otherwise, if you're not spending, like I said, around that $2,000 mark, it's not really worth the $89 to you. Yeah. You know, like I said at the beginning, I really resisted paying to shop or have any kind of privilege because the privilege is me, the customer coming into the store and buying your product mm. that you're selling me. And so it can be a frustrating experience to know that there is now a tiered system, even for loyalty. I know they have quite a few stores under their triangle rewards program where you will get extra points, party, city, sports check, uh, marks, uh, sports check stores, the, you know, these, if you do mm -hmm. frequently shop here, maybe it is going to be to your benefit, but it, it can be frustrating. I think for people who have just been shopping there because they love their products. And now, uh, the store is telling them, Oh, if you really want the VIP experience, you're going to have to pay for that privilege. You know, you gave a few examples and I know we have a few Canadian examples, PC insider, like we've been talking about, but in, in your research, do these programs work? Do people actually shop more at these stores once they've bought in to this, this higher level of loyalty? Well, I think, you know, the thing is that a lot of them are enticed, like you were suggesting with the PC insider to kind of get into the program. And I think some of the things that people forget is that a lot of these programs auto renew. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I have a lot of subscriptions out there. And I think we really are, the whole model has changed with more digitization. You know, you used to buy your, uh, you know, when you bought your computer, you would buy that, you'd actually buy, you know, that off the shelf, your, your, uh, Microsoft. Um, and, but now it's a subscription. And it keeps auto renewing and auto renewing. And I think this is, you know, it is an interesting, it's interesting for the retailer. They get a lot of information about their customer, but from the loyalty and, you know, to add the fee, it has to be really that cost benefit. I think as a consumer, you really have to weigh those benefits. And so 
you know, I'm not a uh, a heavy Canadian tire user, the odd purchase there. So it's not for me, but I'm not their ideal customer. So I think these retailers and as a consumer, you have to understand, you know, you have to do the math and you have to be an educated consumer to say, is this really right for me? And are the benefits there? And, you know, like I said, you, you, you've demonstrated with Costco that it, it makes sense for you. And I think that's, you know, what the retailer has to do. The, pardon me, the consumer, what the retailer has to do is make sure that they're doing the research. And I'm, you know, Canadian Tire does do their research and I'm sure they have. Um, and, you know, is this a way to reward their customers or to, uh, really help with the advocacy of keeping them in their ecosystem. But it's also within the Canadian Tire stores, their private label brands or, you know, where they're, they're, they're pointing you towards, you know, you get extra points if you use the Mastercraft or Paderno. Um, uh, I can't remember the other brand, but, you know, that's when you actually are really making the point. So I think as a consumer, really doing, really looking at the math to make sure that it makes sense for them. Yeah. And two things, you know, as a personal finance journalist, I always uh, say for anyone who's trying to cut back is one, look at your subscription, look at, you take a look at your credit card, where are you paying monthly to? And this doesn't just include places like, you know, uh, loyalty programs you've paid into, but your streaming services, maybe Mm -hmm. you've got a magazine that's still coming, maybe you're a a member at a gym that you're not using. So that's an easy way to cut back. So this would be, would be included in that. And as well, how are you incentivized to shop? Are you going somewhere because they're giving you points, because they're giving you loyalty uh, loyalty uh, bonuses for, for being there? Or are you going there because you're getting the best value? And that's why I always worry about these loyalty programs, how they are able to capture customers that could save money if they shopped around, but they feel that going there and getting those extra points is some sort of investment in their future purchases whereas it might just make sense to to buy a product for the best price. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, how this is going to affect customers and how how it can be used. I mean, loyalty program at Canadian Tire is not changing. You're still you can still be a triangle member and still collect points, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So this is an enhanced version of their existing program already. So again, that's that's where, you know, you have to really do the math. Are you actually going to buy that much more? You know, whereas with other, you know, other kinds of rewards, you get, you may get preferential treatment, front of the line for, for things. Exactly. Or, or, or dibs on sales lines. or something. <laughs> yeah. When we took a look at this program, you know, you only get, five, I think it's five free deliveries for online purchases. I'm thinking five. It should be unlimited, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, you know, does it work for the retailer and does it work for the user? And I think, in in both cases, it is that sort of price versus value, and it is very much dependent on the users. You know, for the for them to add this program, and you know, if there is a, a select group, you know, they they like I said, I'm sure they've done their research, and that there's a group that wanted this enhanced. It's not really a high investment for the retailer because they already have a program. This is just mm-hmm. you know amping it up, and and so. You know, it's it's just a way for them to even collect more information um, and drive more customers 
and get them back in the this. news. I mean, we're talking about it and mm -hmm. other media outlets have been talking about it because this is something new. Canadian Tire is, uh, you know, a brand that everybody in Canada is aware of, uh, is recognizes, is familiar with. So it's it's really easy to talk about it because everyone knows, you know, Canadian Tire. Um, before I let you go, I wanted to know, you know, from your point of view, is this a good move? Uh, does this make sense at this time for retailers to have a paid loyalty program introduced? There are brands and chains out there that are rationalizing their store, some of their brick and mortar locations because they've, you know, really understood where the customer is shopping. Uh, but what we're seeing is that the customer does still want a brick and mortar experience. They do want to be able to come to the retailer provided they're giving an experience. Like if it's just to come pick up a quick item that they can get, you know, easily online and ship to their home or ship to wherever they get it shipped to, then, you know, then what is the, what is the rationale for having a brick and mortar store? And so I think when we think about Nordstrom, you know, Nordstrom, it, it, it was known for its um, legendary service and shoe departments in the U.S. And that didn't translate here. And then, you know, they got decimated in the pandemic because of fashion. Uh, that fashion category certainly was hit the hardest. And then when they did reopen, it was just bland and boring. And so, you know, what, what's the reason for coming to the store? So when we think about Canadian Tire, you know, what is the reason for me to come to the store or to shop their brand? So mm -hmm. I think, you know, the brick and mortar experience is still really important and a way for customers to interact physically with the brand, but it has to be meaningful for them. And, um, and, you know, I think this is a way for them to, you know, help bring some of those users back to the brand. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Lisa, for making time for us today, for getting us up to date on this story. I think it's really interesting what Canadian Tire is doing, following in the footsteps of so many other big retailers. And it'll be great to see, you know, what 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 success they have with this. If people do buy into this new uh, uh, Triangle Select program, if they feel that that VIP experience is, is something that they desire. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today on the program. No problem. Thanks for having me. That was Lisa Hutchinson. She's manager at J.C. Williams Group and a retail strategist talking to us about the new Canadian Tire loyalty program where you have to pay into it. It's called Triangle Select. It'll be interesting to see if they have success getting their customers to buy into this new VIP loyalty experience. We are now going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the NDP Transport Critic. Taylor Backrack bringing forward a bill to protect air passengers. And this is after he says two seasons of travel chaos. What does he want to do? He wants us to be able to automatically get a refund on our tickets if there is a cancellation. We'll have more on that. I'm Rubina Ahmad Huck, and this is for what it's worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina ahmed Hawk. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. I really want to thank all of you for listening for the last hour. I think there was a lot of great information in there about what's happening in Canada and in the retail space, especially two really strong retail segments there. One, 
you know, the first guest we spoke to talking about Nordstrom leaving Canada and, you know, what the reasoning behind that was. Nordstrom really didn't uh, do well here because they overestimated our appetite for luxury. That's really the messaging I got from Bruce Winder, uh, our retail analyst, uh, that Nordstrom really did not uh, understand the Canadian customer. We don't want to buy as many luxury goods um, as maybe our American cousins do, and especially because they opened up in so many locations, maybe just opening in major cities like Vancouver and Toronto would have been enough, and that would have kept them here. Uh, So really, even though Nordstrom's leaving in a lot of consumers may think, oh, that's just another place I can't shop. It really does speak to jobs leaving the country as well. Uh, There is a labor shortage. So hopefully that is going to translate into other retailers being able to capture some really talented workers, some really talented consumer customer service representatives, because that is a skill. I worked in retail for many years. I think for some in some ways, I became a journalist because of my retail experience, because I worked on commission. If I didn't talk to people and wasn't nice to them, nobody bought anything from me. So I think that there is definitely um, a skill involved when you work in retail, especially when you work in, an, in, a, in a situation where you're selling something. You're not, you know, you're, you're not uh, just checking people out, but you're actually selling and trying to get people to buy more product and or, you know, come back to the store uh, there is there is a skill in that. And for me, I feel like it built my my skills to talk to people and not feel awkward about approaching strangers and asking them questions about their lives. Uh, so Nordstrom leaving Canada, I mean, the big the big takeaway there is that what does this mean for brick and mortar? And Bruce uh, Winder really did break it down where, you know, we're going to see a whole different retail landscape in the next five, 10 years where we may just see pop-up shops where you go in, you get to feel the clothes, you get to see them, maybe even try that one medium or small or large, whatever size you are on, but then you actually order it and they ship it to your home. And that's going to be how we have our retail in-person experience. It's going to be quaint. It's going to be something our parents used to do. It's not going to be something, you know, hanging out at the mall is not going to be a thing anymore. That was a real pastime when I was a young kid, hanging out at the mall. My mom used to get so upset with me. Uh, What are we going to do without the malls? But really, we are moving towards a more online experience and the in-person experience may become uh, something that we do on a special occasion. Canadian Tire as well launching their new Triangle Select loyalty program. It's a fee-based loyalty program. I have been really against this idea of buying into a shop where you have to then buy more stuff to actually get any benefits. So it's not like you buy into the loyalty program and all of a sudden there's a benefit. You got to then continue to shop in the store to get those double points or whatever points they're offering you or or bonus points. And then you can cash them in for something that you really want. So are people really going to buy into this? Canadian Tire is a store that I will shop out without having to. I don't even think I have a loyalty card for them. I don't think I have a Canadian Triangle card. If I do, I don't use it. And I don't feel like they need to really promote themselves in this way. So what are customers going to get out of that? Is this the future that now we have to be members at a store to really feel like we're getting the full experience? It's the Costco effect. That's what I call it. When Costco came here and said, hey, you want to shop here? You got to buy our membership. And I think that that has really trickled down into other retail retailers' um, ideas of how they're going to organize their business and the way they can do that. I mean, all of a sudden, Canadian Tower can't charge you to shop there. That would be a hard sell. But they can definitely 
uh, charge you to be a VIP member, make you feel extra special when you are uh, buying things at their store. Before I let you go, though, I wanted to talk about this new uh, private members bill that the NDP transport critic Taylor Backrack uh, brought forward this week. And really what he is trying to do is make it easier for air passengers to get compensation when flights are delayed or canceled, baggage is lost. He wants that process to be more transparent. He wants the loopholes to disappear. Right now, as it stands, if you are delayed on an airline, it really is up to the consumer to prove that it was the airline's fault, not the other way around, that the airline proves that it wasn't their fault that the airline, uh, that, that, that they were delayed because of something that they did. Uh, this new private member's bill hopes to uh, tighten up uh, protection for airline passengers. And the one big thing that I heard out of this is make it automatic. So if your flight is canceled within 24 to 48 hours, you automatically get that refund. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I know a lot of people who got uh, caught up in the Flair Airlines debacle a couple of weeks ago would have really appreciated getting that money right away so they could do something with it for their March break holiday. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. I'm Rubina Ahmed Haq. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Bilal Masri, our technical producer, and thank you to our guests as well. And to you, the listener, I hope you got something from today and I hope that you spend this week thinking about how you can save money out of these conversations that you heard us having on the program. I'm Rubina Ahmed Haq, and this is For What It's Worth.